What is up, you sexy bastards? It is your boy, Party Squirrel, aka Rabbi Can't Lose, aka Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talk to one of my best and most interesting friends, Nick Gray. He started a museum tour company called Museum Hack and then sold it. Now he spends a lot of his free time hosting amazing parties in Austin, Texas, and teaching other people how to do the same. Now, he's got to be one of the best at this. He's got his harmonica, and he's actually got a lot more tactics, tricks, and strategies than I was even surprised of when I found out he has a book about it. Now, you can check out his book called The Two-Hour Cocktail Party. It just came out this week. You can get it at party.pro. I think it's like $1.99 on Kindle. It's really, really cheap. I was actually shocked how good it was, and so I wanted him to come on the show and talk about, as an adult, how do you make friends in a new city? How do you host stress-free parties and have fun with it? So here's three gigantic things you're going to take away from this episode. Number one, why the word networking has gotten a pretty bad rep. Number two, what is a minimum viable party? And three, Nick's favorite icebreakers to get the party rolling. Enjoy those three things, plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. Before we jump into the episode, go check out appsumo.com slash Noah. This is a company I found 12 years ago, and especially now when the economies might be getting a little weird, this place has the best daily deals on software. So if you're looking to start or grow an online business, go check out appsumo.com slash Noah. That's me. It's kind of like a Groupon for geeks or a Groupon for software. Also, a special pre-show shout out to listener M. Trey Hollis. What a cool name. They left a review saying, building business made fun. Sounds like a book. As a creative business builder, Renoa reminds me that creating my music meditation projects and all the things I'm passionate about should be fun and shared through my own personality style. Thanks, Noah. Thank you, M. Trey. Keep doing your thing. I love that. And I love every other one of you gorgeous listeners. If you want to shout out in a future episode, just leave a review or ever listen to the show. I check every single one of them. How you guys doing? Noah's podcast, if you're listening to this, it means that you're really smart and that you're interested in business and self-improvement. And so already I know you're going to be good people. They're also probably the best looking podcast listeners. They're very attractive listeners. I've met some of them. Dude, exceptionally. They're they're really hot. These are people who constantly, when they swipe right, got a match. Swiped right, got a match. They match when they swipe left. Even It's like algorithms busted. Uh, What are we talking about today, Nick Ray? Okay, today we're going to talk about how your listeners can build big relationships by hosting small gatherings. And I would tell them that there's a lot of networking advice out there, but I think that the best way for you to build big relationships is by hosting your own parties. I was doing one of our Q&A podcasts yesterday, and it was kind of fascinating that I can attribute a lot of my success to the fact that I hosted conferences and meetups. Yes, I was going to say, when you first moved here to Austin, didn't you tell me that you would host something and it was like $1 beer special? I hosted a huge meetup and I said, invite anyone in the startup world to Liberty Bar on the east side. And that's how I met a lot of people in Austin. And in the Bay Area, when I worked at Intel, I hosted, it was called Entrepreneur 27 and CommunityNext.com. And I met like, that's how I got my job at Mint.com because I met someone at a conference. Right. What were those conferences? You hosted, yes, didn't you? Yes, you hosted a huge conference. Who wrote about this? You hosted a big conference in 2005 or 2006? Yeah, I hosted a bunch of conferences. Just while I had a day job, I didn't really have a network or anyone I knew. Let's, we're jumping in way too hot. Let's take a step back here. Why do you introduce yourself as Nick Gray? You don't say Nick. Oh, yeah. That's a great point. Why do I say, hey, this is Nick Gray? I'm not sure. Maybe it's like our friend John Arrow. Are you like Noah Kagan? I feel like I just say names. Noah. Really? Yeah. But I also have a name that's like, there's not a billion Noahs, but there's probably like 10 million Nicks. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of Nicks. I don't know. Hey, what's up? This is Nick Gray. Because I just texted a girl who didn't take my call. And so I then just said, hey, this is Nick Gray. It's like, yo, that's who's texting. Like, you know, like, (laughs) you should pick up. Save this. It's me. Pick up. (laughs) Right. It's it's fucking Nick Gray texting you. Do your job. Yeah, this is not scam likely. Don't use the (laughs) F word. My dad's going to listen to this podcast. Mr. Gray. Shout out David Gray. Shout out to David Gray. Dude, coolest dad and moms. 
You have great parents. They love listening to your podcast. Big fans. I just am amazed. Your dad will email. Definitely, Mr. Great, email me after you listen to this one because this is going to be a banger. All right, so let's jump into networking. How do you feel about that word? Very sleazy word. It's gotten a bad rep with business cards and people you don't want to meet and people that you go to a networking event. That phrase is terrible. It's just... Okay, picture this. You go to this party last night and this female comes up to you, very attractive female. Uh Uh-huh. I'm uh, Samantha. And you're like, hey, Samantha. And she's like, I just want to let you know, I'm a a LinkedIn influencer and a power networker on Uh LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) How do you feel about that? Actually, I would respect that. I would actually really respect that because to build any type of audience, I'd be like, okay, teach me your ways. Add me right now. Tag me. Nick Gray Friends newsletter. Link it. Yeah. If somebody said that. But I think your question was, how do you feel about networking? And the idea has gotten a bad rap because there's so many of these transactional events where people are looking for stuff from you. But I think the ethos of what's behind it, which is making new friends and building big relationships, you said you launched your career by doing that. So I think that's incredible. By the way, if you're listening to this, you need to do a friend's newsletter. A great place to do that is on sendfox.com. Sendfox will make it easy for you to set up your own friend's newsletter. Do you need to ask your friend's permission to send them your newsletter? I don't know. When did you start doing it? When did you notice the benefit of sending a friend's newsletter? I've been doing a friend's newsletter for a long time maybe for over 10 years, did it as BCC, where I'd send it to my friends. And I would just give them little life updates about myself. Because for a long time, I lived my life very privately online because of the old industry I worked in. So I would send them these emails with life updates and some of their updates. So if a new friend started a new company, then I include little shout outs to them. What's been the benefits and costs or negatives of doing a friend's newsletter? I'm absolutely shocked how many people read it and never write back. And I'll never hear from them. And then we hang out and they're like, dude, I read your newsletter all the time. I'm like, well, it'd be nice if I knew that. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, but what are the benefits though? Like what have you found is beneficial, made your life different? Low key, no doubt. The 100% benefit is people know me before I even need to reintroduce myself. I'm kept top of mind because these days with the algorithm, I'll post a picture on Instagram and nobody will like it and they won't see my updates. Everybody gets your emails. And so emails, you do cut above the noise. And I just get to stay in touch with people that I've never heard from. So I could give you a very specific tactical benefit. I'm talking about this book that I'm doing. I briefly mentioned, hey, I'm looking for specific advice on something. I heard back from like multiple people with incredible advice. Or if I say I'm traveling to a new city, I hear back from people with suggestions or they want to meet up, stuff like that. And your book is The Two-Hour Cocktail Party. It's called The Two-Hour Cocktail Party. And it's about how to build big relationships with small gatherings that teaches someone a very tactical step-by-step guide on how to host a successful two-hour event with name tags and icebreakers, my whole thing. Your whole shtick. And we'll get into that. And so with your friend's newsletter, who do you not add to the newsletter and who do you add to it? So something else I do is I will do what's called a quiet ad where they won't get the drip of the original signup. They'll just get the next newsletter. But who will I add to it? I can tell you that I put a lot of my friends on it at first and I would put them on BCC. And this is a common thing where you say, hey, if you don't want to be subscribed, just write me back and I'll remove you from the list. And when you're not using something like sendfox.com to send those messages, then you can do that. I do feel that people are worried about the unsubscribes. And a unique thing that I do, that all your listeners can do, is add in a little note that says, hey, unsubscribe anytime and I won't be offended. And so I send out those monthly updates to people. Who do I add? I add Pretty much anyone. I mean, these days people just sign up for it. So I'm not as aggressive in sort of adding people if they don't want to. You used to do something good 
which was you would put a little PS on your emails. You'd be like, PS, newsletter, question mark? Oh, yeah. And that was really sharp and really smart because it looked like an authentic PS. And it was just the link was newsletter, question mark. I thought that was a really good tool. Why is it that you want to bring people together or meet people at all? I believe that you have to give before you can take. Do you really? Yeah. What? <laughs> Why are you, is that a burn at me? I'm saying that networking has gotten a bad name because it's known as people taking, taking, taking. What can you do for me? Let me sell you my shtick. What if instead of trying to ask somebody, for example, how many messages have you got? Hey, no, I'd love to pick your brain about something. What if instead they're like, hey, no, I'm hosting a party. I'd love to invite you over to my party. You're giving, you're hosting, you get to meet some great people. So I love bringing people together because I feel like it's a way to give and be generous and then make friends and stuff like that. Does it ever feel like work to you? The reason I asked that is that when I moved back to Austin last year, I got this house that we're in. I hosted all these things. I had a private chef and like we had some icebreakers and we had this. And then like I did about 10 of them and everyone was great. And I met a lot of really interesting people. And I, towards the end of it, I was like, I don't have to do this. Mm. It feels like a job. Mm. It felt like work that I, it was like unpaid work that I don't want to do. And I was like, I'd rather just play board games or have pizza with just like the people I already know. Absolutely. I have a really good story about that. I talked to hundreds of people as I was writing my book over the last five years. And I talked to this one guy who bought a multi-million dollar fancy apartment in Soho in Manhattan specifically to host events because he was a host and he wanted to up his game and have a house designed for hosting. And he said, because it was sort of a cautionary tale, he told me, he said, dude, I'll tell you what, about a year into it, suddenly other people want to host events at your house. And he said, I snapped out of it one night. It's a Friday night. Somebody's hosting a book launch at my house. I don't even know this person. They're a friend of a friend of a friend. And they've asked, can they host a book launch? And now he said, when you have a multi-million dollar house like that, you can't just hire one housekeeper. You have to hire a housekeeping company. You can't just ask them to take the trash out. And he said, he just realized, like, I have all this staff, all these people, all this work, exactly like you're saying. And he sold it all. And he like moved to a tiny little place in California. And he's like, for me, it wasn't what I wanted. You feel that stress. You feel like it's work when you're hosting events. And that is what I hear from 99% of people, that they host one dinner party and they say, I'm never going to do that again because it's too much work. I wrote this book for people like you that say, this is too much work because I have a formula that's easy and the most important thing that's repeatable. What if you could have an easy, lightweight event that you can do regularly? So I just want to address that, that you are at the top 1%. You have too many friends and people who want to connect with you. The average individual wants to meet more people and can greatly benefit. They don't run a multi-hundred million dollar company that has hundreds of employees. So this book is written for people that have never really hosted an event before. It's meant for that zero to one. So to tie this back into the advice I have for your listeners, only do a cocktail party. Think about the MVP, minimum viable party, minimum viable party. What's the minimum viable party? Hosting a party doesn't have to be expensive. You can do it for less than $100 and a $7 pack of name tags. The thing that's good is when you always have your next event on the calendar. Like for your beer meetups here in Austin, would you always have those scheduled or was it just whenever you wanted to? When I was doing these dinners here? No, no, not the dinners. When your early days when you're hosting oh, a thing well, on the it was just, I got here and I thought after a month it'd be nice to meet everyone. I was like, what if I could just do it all at once? Mm. And so you did them as one-offs or no, were they a regular? one big ass time. One huge ass time. My advice for people is, You'll see the most benefits when you host about every six weeks or so, 
Because then you always have your next event on the calendar. And when you meet somebody, it's like, hey, I'm hosting a cocktail party in a couple weeks. Can I invite you to it? It's such an easier ask than let's meet up for coffee. Let's go on a date. Let's go to dinner. Instead, you're like, come to my cocktail party. Which, by the way, it's not about the cocktails. I don't drink. It's not about the drinks. There's not a single drink recipe in the book. That phrase, cocktail party, encapsulates in most people's mind a social event that's low pressure that they can pop in for. Versus a dinner, you're locked in. You're like, well, fuck, I can't show up. Sorry, freak. It's your parents listening to I can't show up. Apologize to your mom. (laughs) Mom, I apologize. (laughs) Don't listen to that. What's your hope for this book? What's your dream? My goal is to get 500 people to host a party and send me a selfie of their group photo because in the book, you got to take a group photo. Teaching people that hosting can be easy. And I just think we need to gather more. We got to dust off the COVID cobwebs and start to gather again. People are awkward. And like adding a little bit of structure makes it easier for people. I guess for me, it's just like that anxiety of like having meeting new people. I like the idea. One thing I do think that I love is like having something that you meet someone, you're like, oh, you should come to this thing, mm. right? Because if you ever met someone like, hey, I got tickets to this event, you're like, oh, damn, I don't really like them, but I'll go to the event. Yes. And then you, maybe you like them or maybe yeah. you don't. But how do you make it so it's a little bit more enjoyable? What these parties are all about is meeting new people. And so the formula of the party, which I can go into, but it involves, you've been to my parties, it involves you having a lot of small conversations. There's icebreakers, there's rounds of introductions. And so I know that I'm inviting them to a quality event because they're going to meet new people. And I've tested this book with 55 other people that have actually done it and hosted their own party using my formula. And all their friends say the same thing. I got to meet so many people. What reinvigorated you to finish this book? Because you started a few years ago and then you stopped. Yeah, I stopped during COVID. I stopped. God, it was like a big mental block. I think my 40th birthday, to be honest, I was like, I got to get on with my life. And gathering again, there was the Delta variant. There was COVID. The idea of hosting indoors for some was scary. And I said, I think now's the time. I got to quit waiting. Like, we need to gather. We need people to get together. The first event that I have after COVID, everybody was so awkward. They forgot how to make small talk. And it was just like, oh, man, we need structure when we gather. It helps introverts. It helps shy people. How do you feel at your events? What's going on in your mind? I got to be honest. I'm like working at my events. A lot of people ask me at the end, they're like, oh, did you have fun? I'm like, you know, if I want to have fun, I'll go swim with my fish or something. (laughs) Like it's not. (laughs) Why do you do it if you're not having fun? Because I know all the value that I get to add. People love my events. And they're good events. And I love working. And I love like creating value. I'm not like if I was having fun, I don't know, we just sit around and eat Cheetos and like watch Daily Dose of Internet. That sounds what I want to do, dude. (laughs) But I think that's my point of what I'm saying about these events where it's like, it felt like work that I don't want to do. I already have a job. (laughs) And I think that's what I'm trying to separate where like, I do enjoy meeting new people that are interesting. Like I just came out of an interview with Jonathan Little. He's a professional poker player. And it's like, if there was like a dinner or a cocktail or whatever, where it's like him and like, mm. you know, other interesting people, like no problem. Mm. But if I'm hosting and then I have to get the chef and make sure everyone's happy and all this, it feels mm. like it's exhausting. All right. To be clear, you're going to the top 1%. You're getting a chef. You're doing this. You're doing that. You're doing exhausting level. What if I could tell you that there's an easy, lightweight formula for you to gather all these loose connections in your life? Because think about it. What you're talking about is only focusing on your top five to 10 which is fine, but we find out about the most opportunities in life through our loose connections, through our weak ties. And that's the importance of networking. You're going to find out about a new house for sale, a new business for sale, that cool new employee that could be the CEO of your company. You'll find out about those things, not through your best friends like me, but through these weak ties and this loose connections of network. So my thesis is that by hosting these lightweight events, 
that should be stress-free. You don't have to hire a chef. In fact, the Nick party formula, can I tell you what that is? Tell it. N-I-C-K. N for what do you think N is? Noah. Noah has to be your VIP guest. And <laughs> yeah. it's for Noah. And it's also for name tags. Okay. Gotta have name tags. I Icebreaker. is for icebreakers. C is for cocktails. Cocktails only, no dinner. Do you have snacks? I do have snacks. Okay, and there's a shopping sure. list inside the book that tells you exactly what snacks to get that keep the don't just. And you have really good snacks. I've been to your things. I've and I've been there not to your parties. And then what's K? K is for kick them out at the end. It's only two hours. Don't let people dilly dally. I've actually, I think I learned that from you. Like, hey, eight o'clock is cutoff time. And it actually is relieving, right? What are some of the questions, whether at a small dinner or I'm hosting a small dinner that you find helpful in terms of getting to know each other mm. or having good conversations? The icebreaker questions have to be thought of as green, yellow, and red. What is a green level icebreaker? It's an easy one that anyone can answer right away without a lot of thought. My favorite one, you may have seen me do it. What's one of your favorite things to eat for breakfast? Now, why do you think that's a good one? Everyone has breakfast. Because everyone has breakfast. There's no judgment. You don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about it. So that's a green level. To jump to maybe a fun one that I would like at a dinner could be, what's a common one? What's one of your favorite purchases that you've made over the last year? Mm -hmm. It could be an object, an experience, a great book, a tour that you went on. What's a great purchase that you've made? Another one that I like is, and I tell all my new hosts to do this, what is your favorite piece of media that you've consumed recently? Oh, that's a good one. That could be a podcast, a YouTube channel. It could be a long-form article, a novel, a novella, a great tweet, a movie you saw in the theaters, a Netflix show. Any great piece of media. And what do we find during that icebreaker? Everybody feels like they're getting smarter. They're taking their phone out. They're, oh my gosh, I got to check that out. So I like those types of group icebreakers where everybody can learn a little bit. How do I find the people? Let's say people listen to this episode and they're inspired. They're like, hey, I want to meet new people to date or to enjoy the city with or mm -hmm. to work with or just be inspired by. If you had to go find three people today, how would you go about that? The first thing that everybody needs before you host an event is you need to have a core group. Your core group would be your best friends. Okay. And so if you can start with a core group, then I'm going to give you advice on how to meet the people. But your core group are going to sign up RSVP first. They're going to put social proof on that page when you see five other names. Now that'll give you the confidence that even if nobody else shows up, your best friends, your neighbors, those five people are going to be there so you know it's successful. So let's start with giving people the confidence of knowing that their core group is coming. Now, how do you find the people? I think that anyone that you interact with, even on the lightest basis, who you think, oh, that person seems interesting, you should invite them to your cocktail party. That could be a barista. There's the common advice people tell you, right? Go join a club or something like that. Somebody in the book said really good advice. They said, if you want to hack this, and people tell you, oh, you should join a sports team or whatever. Guess what type of sports they should join? Cheerleading? Cheerleading is a good one. Also, they said join a kickball league because those have the biggest teams with the most number of people. That's good. I thought that was pretty good, right? No, it's interesting. I saw someone today and I'm like, it's easy to go up to someone and be like, hey, we have something going on. Like, would you want to come to this? Yes. When you always have your next party, you go through life and you just start collecting people. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds weird. It's just an interesting way. You get to meet them. And I say that not like you collect people like it's not personal. You know that you're adding value because you're hosting a great event. And so when you're hosting a great event, I don't think it's weird to say and think about like you're collecting people and you're inviting them because you have the confidence that you're inviting them to something good. Do you ever invite them and then they suck? Yeah. Yeah. 
do you ever meet somebody and they're not a 10 out of 10? Of course. Do you ever go on a date that you guys don't get married? No. This happens. Dude, I only hit 10s. You only hit 10s. And that's true. I know you. It is true. It is true. It's true. They call them Noam number 10. Dude, that's my phone number. 10, 10, 10. Uh, how did you make friends in Austin versus New York? In Austin versus New Not York. Not even versus. How did you make friends in New York when you moved there? Mm. And how did you make friends in Austin? I started hosting parties because I wanted to build my own friend group. Because I would go to these networking events that felt weird. I would go to these parties and I'd just stand on the sidelines and not really know anybody. And I started hosting events because I was like, I want to meet people on my terms. And so that's how I started to do it. Because I had hosted hundreds of these events in New York, I came to Austin and I knew exactly what the playbook was. I think you probably saw me. I came here, I started hosting a ton of events. You hosted a lot of events. I hosted a lot of events, right? And very quickly in hosting a ton of events, I got to make my friends. I got to see who I want to hang out with. I built a network. I was less lonely. It made me feel like I was home here. So I used that as soon as I moved here. Thanks to you, by the way. What do you think the ratio of people to friends is for you? Like if you host a 40-person event, is it like one good friend out of that? Great question. I think that these events are a great way to audition your new friends, potentially. That you meet somebody cool at a cafe or at a... Like at the gym. There's someone in the gym. Today. Right? Think about that. That's a perfect example. If you meet somebody at the gym and you want to invite them to hang out, that can be a little bit awkward. But if you say, hey, I'm hosting a party, come hang out at the party. I don't know. I just feel like it's a big lift. And here's the thing. Nobody teaches adults how to make friends. Nobody. This is a way to make new friends. Host a party. I can't host a party if I don't have friends. Well, get your core group. That can be your neighbors. That can be other people. Get that core group. Once you can get five people and you give yourself the party runway, that's what I call the three-week time period, to give you time to fill up your guest list. One of the biggest mistakes I see is people try to plan a party for the next week. That's not enough time. I say three weeks. Because what do you think, Noah, is the number one fear of new hosts? No one shows up. Nobody shows up. That's the number one fear. Or worse, that only two or three people will show up, and then it's terribly awkward. You can relive one party. Tell me about it. Nobody's ever asked me this. I'm going to tell you. I hosted my 37th birthday at Carnegie Hall. I think you came to it. I flew in for it. Oh, and did you make a speech? Did you I make did. a keynote? Okay. I love that party. And that party was a lot of fun. But I'm going to tell you a secret. That party was so stressful for me because there was a lot that went into that party. It was at Carnegie Hall. We had multiple entertainers. It was a full day event. And here's the real talk. One of the rehearsals for that party, for me, was more fun than that party. Because we're talking about fun. We're talking about fun. Now, that event was better. But for my pure fun, one of the rehearsals was a lot more fun. And I had two or three rehearsals leading up to my birthday party. <laughs> because it was less stress, I invited a different group. I, like, my parents weren't there. You weren't there. I was, like, easy and chill. But that's my birthday. So that was a really fun party for me. It was just, like, it was very chill. What are three things someone can instantly do if they're just having a dinner or lunch, yes. or they're having like a team, like even at AppSumo.com, like they're having Tiny Team Thursday, so they go out for lunch. Like, What are some things that people can do in settings not necessarily a cocktail party? Number one thing, and I know that people are going to resist this, but I'm just going to tell you, is name tags. For any event, even for your team meeting, you would be shocked, especially working remotely. Yes. You don't know people's names. You might know them, but you need the name tags because it reduces any amount of friction, any way that I can reduce friction for social interactions. And name tags really, really helps with that. So that's number one. Two would be, I would say, a green level icebreaker. And here's the key point that folks need to know. A good icebreaker is a fast icebreaker. Stand up. Always stand up. Sitting down is the kryptonite to a successful icebreaker. 
You sit down and people drone on and on. You got to stand up and go fast. And then the third thing, the third piece of advice I would say, how to make an event better, I think I'd just say, keep tight on time. Finishing a successful event, finishing it on time gives people the generosity to leave them wanting more. So you've been working on this book now for a little while. You've been hosting events your whole life. How are you promoting the book? Tactically, for Noah Kagan listeners, first of all, I would never wish writing a book on my worst enemy. You should not do it. Because so much time, it has to be perfect in my mind, and I'm a micromanager. If I would have spent all this time on a series of blog articles, maybe I could have got a lot more results. I don't know. But tactically, because I'm self-publishing, I'm not focusing at all on pre-orders. I'm only focusing on my launch week. And that's a very big difference. When your book comes out with a major publisher, pre-orders will help you drive up lists and stuff like that. Not for me. I've given up on that idea of hitting any top seller lists. I'm focused on how do I get to my 500 names that are going to host a party. So I'm thinking about it a lot slower. I have worked really hard on this book. I think I just want to see others reap the benefits that it's done for my life. So you're looking at doing a lot of podcasts or what are you thinking of doing to get that launch week ready or what does launch week look like? For the launch week, I mean, I reached out to you. I said, hey, can I be a guest? Can I talk about the benefits that your people can get? I'm going to hit my newsletter. And so specifically, there's three messages I'll send to my newsletter. One is what's called the cover reveal. So it's the like, here's my book cover, right? Which nobody's seen yet. And that I'll use as a chance to get them to download the first three chapters or something to like drum up excitement. Then on the launch week itself, I'll say, my book is live. Please go buy my book. The week after, then I'll follow up and say like, thank you for making it a bestseller. Write a review here if you've written one, something like that. And I think the reality is as a first-time author, without a track record or history, like not a lot of people are excited until they see the results, they see the reviews, they see things like that. And then I think the momentum will start to build. And so you're going to line up other things to get the 500. I like that you have a goal of 500 events. I think when we do book launches or frankly any business, it's like, what's the goal? Right. And then work backwards from that. So I love yeah. that you're, you're thinking about that. Yeah. I'm tracking. There's a lot of things in the book where it says, send me an email after your event. And for me, that's what I'm focused on. Just like with Museum Hack, I was really focused on becoming the best possible tour guide and giving the best museum experience. Similarly, for this, I'm just focused on those first 500 people. I want 500 people to try it. And then I'm going to like learn a lot about what their needs and problems are. Who should I buy this for? This would be a great book for anyone that wants to make new friends, build big relationships, someone that has moved to a new city, somebody that moved to a new apartment or house and hasn't hosted a housewarming party yet. Somebody that always says like, oh, we should invite people over, but they never do. Do you recommend just putting a date in the calendar? Just like, hey, let's just put something on the calendar and then work backwards from that. That's the first step, which by the way, it's got to be a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday night. That's my suggestion. Oh, I like that. Because those are non-red level days. Red level days are days that are socially competitive. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, socially competitive. We got stuff going on. By hosting your event on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday night, you make it more likely that people will say yes. And so that's why. And the three-week window and stuff like that. One thing, I did read a draft of the book and it was much better than I expected. Really? Much better. Thank you. Probably 10 times or 100 times better than I expected. Well, I did bring some props here and I want to show you that I've worked on the layout of all of the book, every single thing. Look, ask the party professional. There's all these things. Did you do the layout? I did every single pixel in here. I have worked with a team to do the layout. So... Yeah, I'd love your help on my book. Because like one thing I'll say from your book is that if I told someone to write a book about it, like, hey, hosting cocktail parties or hosting meetups or events. And when I was in Israel, I moved to Israel for a month, a few years ago. And the first thing I did was falafels and wine night. Mm. I knew one person in Tel Aviv. And I said, hey, I'm trying to meet other people here. I'm bringing falafel balls. 
and wine, can you invite a few other people? And it was actually, it was a really good way of connecting with other people in Tel Aviv. But what's fascinating about your book is that I think a lot of people are like, yeah, what do I need to read a book about it? Like you just mm-hmm. host an event, invite a few people over, call it a day. But there was so much more tactics, frankly, in your book. That's why, because the right way to host a cocktail party is counterintuitive. The right way to using name tags is counterintuitive. There's a lot of things that you're saying here. Why do I need a book to host a cocktail party? How hard can it be? But what I'm going to give you is a way to make it easy and make it repeatable and make it successful. And you just said something interesting. You just said to me 10 minutes ago, I don't want to host events. I'm tired of it. But then you just said, when I went to Israel, I loved it. And it was so successful for me. And I got so many benefits from it. So to answer your question, who needs this book? It's someone who wants more out of life. You may be at a place right now where you say, I don't want more friends because you hang out with Tynan all the time. <laughs> and so because <laughs> of that, you, you have one Tynan, you don't even need anybody else. And so because of that, you're at a place where you say, I don't want more. I have my hands full. Okay. But for somebody who should read this book is somebody who does want more, who wants more friends, wants more opportunities, wants more relationships. I think that's who this book is good for. It is interesting to think about all the things in life and where they came from. Like my job at mint.com came from hosting events. I met Tim Ferriss, who helped me with AppSumo, and we helped each other over the years. I think that came because I hosted an event. I met Oren Hoffman, who put me in touch with him. Like even now, we're sponsoring a conference, which is at a larger scale in Barcelona, but we've met a lot of partners, which has then subsequently made them a lot of money and AppSumo a lot of money. Yes. I think what's fascinating, and you know, our audience is a lot of people starting growing businesses or wanting to learn about marketing. That's why I did ask about the marketing in your book. I could see this actually potentially being a huge company where you're selling like icebreaker games for home, customized Mm. types of name tags, like either you or other people are the MCs for events. I like that idea where somebody told me that Dale Carnegie's company, How to Win Friends and Influence People, came up with a group of trainers because that's still a business today. The Dale Carnegie company, it still trains people on how to win friends and influence people. And my friend Zach Ware says, you need to train people how to host using your method. I also think anybody can learn this. It's not rocket science to but host a party. But it's actually nice to be able, because then I think if I hired you and I could just meet people and be like, hey, I'm hosting a meetup. I hired a professional host. Mm-hmm. Like they'd probably just be excited to do that. And also I think I could enjoy it more just like people hire a wedding planner. That's a good point. All right. If you're listening to this and you want to be one of the first franchisees of the two-hour cocktail party formula, please reach out to me. Send me a tweet at Nick Ray News or send me an email. Hello at NickRay.net. Inspired by Noah. Dude, I love it. New franchise company. Yeah, I think it's interesting as a business. Here's the thing. (laughs) Everybody wants to know someone magical who brings people together. We know Neil and Natasha. Love them. Great people. Why are they so great? Amongst other things, because they host picnics and they bring their friends together all the time. Neil and Natasha become top of mind with all our friend group because they always bring people together. Everyone wants to know someone like Neil and Natasha. The secret is you can be that person. Anyone can do that. All you have to do is step up. You should be that person. And this book will show you how. Through an easy, repeatable format. I think that's the most important thing that like, I harp on a little, is there's ultra-complicated, like, you should host a dinner or a mastermind. A lot of people tell entrepreneurs, you should host a mastermind. I think that's terrible advice for most people. I wouldn't trust most people to bake a cake, let alone host a mastermind. But a cocktail party, anyone can do. Are you tweeting out pieces of your book to see if anything's resonating or not resonating? I should. Is it too late to edit it? It's probably too late to edit it. Yes, it's too... I'm launching the book. Oh, when is it launching? June 14th. Well, just one thing that I think people can do, and I think this is kind of common, is you like tweet out pieces of things to see, okay, is it responding? And if it's not responding, then you can cut it from the book. I was going to do that for my book. Yes. 
Because then you can also just work backwards from you know it's popular. Because you're trying to convince people something they're aware of, but maybe didn't realize is a problem hmm. or didn't realize something that they could do. Mm-hmm. Even talking with you now, I'm like, yeah, it would be kind of fun to host a meetup and like meet new cool people. Right. So I like that idea of all those people that were frankly too busy to maybe have dinner with, but that are interesting, that we want to maybe get to know. But it's a big commitment. People are busy and it's hard to make new friendships as an adult. What do you do post event? Oh my God, I like Don Wine. Remember that time you got me a masseuse? That's a whole nother that story. Right yeah, that was a power move. No, but like after an event, do you generally send feedback forms? Do you generally like pick out the two people you're like, I really enjoyed interacting with them and invoking another party or you do like one-on-ones? Or you so here's the pro tip for your listeners. Exactly what I do. I do make a list that same night of who some of my favorite guests were. Why is that helpful? Because after you host three parties and you have 10, 20 people, that's 50 people, you're not going to remember who showed up and who was additive. So mm-hmm. that's the first thing is I make a list of who were some of my favorite guests. Second thing I do, the next day, I send everybody a thank you message and I include the group photo. I usually include people on BCC, but I say thank you and I include a little note. Can I invite you to the next one? Simple engagement, get them right back. Yes, of course, I had so much fun. Little hack like that, send the group photo. And then do you normally do one-on-ones with like individuals? Yes. That's what we use these parties for. They're a little bit of an audition to build those deeper relationships. Yeah, it's funny. Isaac, who helps film a lot of our YouTube, I met at your thing. Right? It can be helpful. That's what we need. We've been locked down and not gathering and spending too much time, not enough time with friends. And I think that's part of the zeitgeist that I'm hoping to get at with my book, which is it's time to gather again. The two-hour cocktail party, Nick Gray, how to build big relationships with small gatherings. Coming out June 14th, buy it for one friend. Who do you know that just moved to a new apartment? This is the missing manual to build big relationships. It's the right way to host a cocktail party. Hey, thank you for listening to this podcast with Noah Kagan. My name is Nick Gray. You can read me on the internet at www.nickgray.net. That's nickgray.net. Or you can find out about my book at, what do you think about this domain name? You might hate it. Www.party. Dot pro. Do you own that? It's yeah. great. Thank you. All right, good. All right, Nick or everyone. Well, that is a wrap. I hope you love the episode as much as I did making it for you. Go check out Nick's book at party.pro. It's the two-hour cocktail party. Next, text a friend you love him. Yo, dog, let's go host a cocktail party together. And before you go, tweet at me or slide in my DMs at Noah Kagan and let me know what you thought of this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel. You guys already have. That's youtube.com slash okdork. And I just started putting out some stuff on TikTok I'd love your feedback on. That's tiktok.com at NoahKigan. Finally, a couple of shout outs to my amazing team. These people are phenomenal. Thank you to Jason at podcasttech.com for making these episodes. Thank you to Mitchell, Jeremy, George, Hubert, Cam, Sasa, Nikki, and Jen. Is there really that many of y'all? Anyways, y'all do so much amazing stuff. I love that I get to share my life with you. And finally, shout out to Olman, Jarrett, Jeff, and the BD sales team for their amazing Saster Barcelona event. I heard they had a lot of fun out there and did an amazing job. Have a cheerful day. What's your favorite party snack? <laughs>